Opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Communications, staff, management, or advertisers. Activist Radio is on the air. You have tuned in to the Mark Harrington Show, sponsored by Created Equal. Mark is training a new generation of leaders to take on the culture of death and win. You don't like abortion, don't have one. The only thing that can be said to be objective truth is that there is no objective truth. It does come out in one piece. It comes out in one piece. I would argue that we certainly are not all created equal. And now, here's Mark. A recent bill that just went through the Senate about two weeks ago, and the bill was that if an abortion was performed on a viable fetus and the fetus survived the abortion, the doctor would then be compelled to give that living baby the same care as any other pregnancy baby that came out and put that baby through the care. Would you support this bill that does not in any way limit abortion and simply seeks to keep babies alive that have been born alive? Thank you for the question. The way that I would approach your question and this issue generally is to trust women to make their own decisions about their own bodies. When we talk about universal guarantee, high quality health care for everyone in this country, it's primary health care, it's mental health care, and it's women's health care. And I'll tell you why. In my own state of Texas, we have shut down our state legislature, our governors, more than half the family planning clinics in our state, making it that much harder for women to get a cervical cancer screen, see a family planning provider, or see a provider of any kind. We also, not coincidentally, are at the epicenter of a maternal mortality crisis that disproportionately affects women of color two to three times the rate of white women in that state and across this country. So women's health care, reproductive rights, Roe versus Wade, all the way back to 1973, the law of the land. This next election will decide all of those issues because it will also decide the composition of the Supreme Court. You're listening to your radio activist, Mark Harrington, here on the Mark Harrington Show. We're going to be talking about cruel and unusual punishment today on the program. That was just the uh, just one of many statements that have been coming from those who have declared they're running for the presidency of the United States on the Democratic side. That's Beto O'Rourke from Texas, who was asked by a student whether he would support the bill that's been uh, at least attempted to be passed in the United States Senate called the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. And O'Rourke, obviously here, failed to ask, answer the question. It's interesting, if you listen to him, he went straight to his abortion talking points. And he talked about women's bodies. Let me ask you this. What does this have to do with women's bodies? We're talking about a baby that's been born, that survived an abortion attempt, not abortion itself. We're not talking about that. See, what's happened right now in America is those on the pro-choice side, this isn't just about a woman's right to choose. No, no, no longer. This is about a woman's right to have a dead baby. And O'Rourke went right into the typical talking points. And then worse of all is the, the, the applause afterwards that folks 
in America which would support allowing a child to die who's been born alive. I mean, it's beyond belief, folks. I, I've been doing this for 25 years, and I just we've never seen anything like this. The outright brutality that we're seeing across the board, many Americans, not just our politicians, that support the brutal murder of born children. I mean, the wrath of God is on our nation, folks. And if you're listening to the sound of my voice and you claim Jesus Christ, you need to be on your knees begging for mercy for America. And folks, if you're if there's anyone in our audience that's a pastor or reverend, leads a church, if you are not thundering from the pulpit that we need to be opposing this with all our strength, you're not doing what the Lord's asking you to do in this time and this day. We are under siege right now. The, the, the right to life uh, that we're all created in his image is totally under siege by our culture. And it's time for Christians to stand up and say, I'm not going to take it anymore. So I'm going to be talking about a couple things today in the short time we have. We've already mentioned some of this about the infanticide that's continuing to have legs, a story anyway, with guys like Beto O'Rourke. We're going to talk about the heartbeat bill, which I've talked about on this program in the past. And thirdly, President Trump uh, is is uh, signing an executive order to protect free speech. So I hope to get that in the program today. So here we have Beto O'Rourke. This he he supports this law called the Women's Health Protection Act that was passed in New York. Uh, and it's been introduced into the U.S. Congress in 20. It was introduced in 2017 and has lots of Democrat sponsors. This would allow abortion up to the very time of birth. In fact, I've nicknamed it the Abortion Without Limits Until Birth Act. That's what it is. Uh, Late term abortion, abortion without limits until birth act. This is where we are on the Democrat side currently. Um, and so. Beta O'Rourke, others like that, they just can't avoid talking about abortion even though it has nothing to do with it. Nothing whatsoever to do with it. This isn't about a woman's body at all. It's about another body, the baby's body. And he talked about maternal mortality. Uh, I mean, comparing maternal mortality to baby mortality. What about the ones that are born and you just leave to die on a table next to you? Uh, it's just really just the outright... Uh, brutality of some of these people, uh, it's unbelievable. We're just seeing that happen all across America. This Tuesday, I uh, testified before the Ohio House Health Committee on substitute Senate Bill 23, which is the heartbeat bill, the Ohio heartbeat bill. And I, I testified along with Janet Porter, who is the uh, creator or the architect of the heartbeat bill. And others at the state house uh, and what i'd like to do is play a clip now this is a clip of janet porter from faith to action and janet is going to lay out for you how this bill how this this uh vision that she you know had in 2011 how that's now manifesting all across america uh truly is a wave of these bills now making their way throughout the state houses in America, also at the U.S. House of Representatives. So go ahead and play this clip. Uh, Senator Rogner was correct when she said that Ohio was the very first state to, uh, in the nation to consider the pro-life heartbeat bill back in 2011. Since then, heartbeat laws have passed in Arkansas, North Dakota, Iowa, 
Kentucky, which was just signed into law on Friday by, by Governor Matt Bevin, and Mississippi, which is awaiting a promise signature by Governor Phil Bryant, who said he wants Mississippi to be the safest place for an unborn child in America. Since we began the effort uh, to protect our fellow human beings with detectable heartbeats, 21 states have introduced heartbeat bills, including Missouri, uh, which just passed out of their house, Georgia also passed out of their house and out of a uh, Senate committee, ready to go to the full Senate, Tennessee also passed their house. They're also pending in Florida, Texas, South Carolina, West Virginia, Rhode Island, Illinois, Maryland, New York, Minnesota, and in, in the United States Congress, where last session it had more co-sponsors uh, than any other pro-life bill. Uh, now other nations are interested in passing heartbeat bills. Uh, this year I've met with pro-life leaders in Singapore, in New Zealand, in Israel, and members of the Knesset. Uh, just this morning, I received a text from a leader who is interested in introducing a heartbeat bill in Panama. While we have had veto-proof margins last December in the House, you all know we fell one vote short of overriding the second veto of Governor Kasich in the Senate. But thankfully, we now have a pro-life governor. Governor Mike DeWine has promised to sign the heartbeat bill into law, which uh, will now only require a simple majority, which are already on the House version uh, sponsored by Representative Ron Hood and Candace Keller. Thank you. Representative Keller, for your leadership. All and, right, we uh, can end it there. So this is Janet Porter from Faith to Action that testified along with yours truly, Mark Harrington, your radio activist at the Ohio Health Committee this week. So the bill has passed the uh, Ohio Senate. It's in the Ohio House ha Health Committee. And next week it will get opponent testimony, and then we hope that it will pass out of committee next week, go to the floor of the House for a vote, and then they'll reconcile the bill with the Senate if there are any new amendments, and then it'll go to Governor DeWine for signature. And folks, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. We've been at this for eight years. This is a big deal, and it's sweeping the nation. These are happening all across the country. And uh, what I want to do now is, if you would, Mr. Producer, go ahead and cue up my testimony. Now, I spoke for, you know, like 10 minutes or so, and leading up to my the clip that I'm going to share with you uh, this morning uh, is the uh, discussion about Roe versus Wade and the heartbeat bill. And I made the point that the it's not the heartbeat bill that's going to be found unconstitutional. It's Roe versus Wade that's unconstitutional, not the heartbeat bill. And I made the point that abortion, the word itself, is not found in the U.S. Constitution. Neither is the right to privacy which is what the, uh, the case was based on, supposedly. Certainly not the right to privacy extending to the right to kill your baby. Along with that, the U.S. Supreme Court exercised raw judicial power, judicial supremacy, if you will, in that they rose above the other two branches of government. We're supposed to have a government that's co-equal with the branches that are co-equal. Well, this case... They usurped the role of the legislature, the U.S. Congress, and for that matter, 50 legislatures in every state across the America, by making law, uh, becoming a super legislature, if you will. Also, because the U.S. Constitution does not even allude to the right to abortion, abortion should be an issue of state sovereignty. That is, the Tenth Com uh, Aman Amendment says this, Quote, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states, respectively, 
or to the people. The point of the matter is, is that at the core of this, abortion, or i.e. murder, is something that the state deals with, not the federal government. Um, some people will, will, will look to the Fifth and the Fourteenth Amendment and talk about how uh, you know the, the the word person persons have the right to life in that those those uh, amendments uh, that's true but the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the word person does not include the unborn in, in 1973 with the Roe v. Wade decision so you can say what you want about Roe v. Wade not being law which is true because uh, courts don't make law they usher or issue opinions. But it is law in the sense that Americans follow it as law. In other words, it's like de facto law. Whether it's law or not, we follow it as law. We could say it's not law, but it is in the, in, the, in the way that we treat it. In other words, people follow it, therefore it's virtually law. It's kind of like the income tax. You know, the income tax, uh, there was an amendment to the Constitution that allowed for the income tax, yet it was never ratified statutu- uh, statutorily. Uh, by the U.S. Congress and signed by the president. There was never a law that was actually put into place that actually compelled uh, Americans to pay the income tax, yet we all do it. Uh, And if we don't, guess what's going to happen? You're going to likely go to jail. So you can say abortion or Roe versus Wade is not the law of the land. That's true. But try to find it, see what happens, right? So basically what we're, we're setting forward is a strategy, a two-pronged strategy, and that is we need to be fighting this battle at the state level and the national level. We're not going to throw uh, the U.S. Supreme Court or the courts under the bus yet. In fact, there's changes on the courts now that could make it uh, conducive to the overturning of Roe versus Wade in the near future if if, if uh, President Trump gets another opportunity to put up a couple more uh, Supreme Court justices. So we don't want to do that. We want to continue to elect pro-life presidents to change the court in the direction of overturning Roe uh, as well. And also on the state level, we want to be passing bills like this, uh, the heartbeat bill, or for that matter, total bans on abortion uh, from the life, from, from the point of conception, that would be a frontal attack on Roe versus Wade directly, which may force the court to overturn it. And if it doesn't overturn it, the state legislature, the governor, attorney general, law enforcement can make the choice as to whether they're going to defy Roe v. Wade directly, enforce the law, and bring about a constitutional crisis. I think that's something that's becoming more and more viable as an option, a method, or a strategy that we need to be thinking about. So we need to be working the state level and the federal level at the same time. We can't put all our eggs in one basket. So that's kind of what I laid out uh, before the committee uh, is basically what I just said here. Now, there was a question about these laws that are being passed in New York and what, and I'd like to go ahead and play that clip, if you would. Mr. Producer, go ahead and play that. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you for your testimony again. Uh, I have a question. I was looking on my phone quickly to see if I could find those states. It seems to me that there's been a flurry of states recently, New York, of course, making the headlines, um, that have sought to put abortion bills into place as if they're lining up for something. 
Um, I have my idea as to what they're lining up for. I believe they see the composition of the Supreme Court, the federal Supreme Court, changing in the near future. Um, I would be interested in your take on that. Right. Chairman, Representative Ginter, uh, I think you're right. Um, they are looking ahead to the fact, I think, that uh, the U.S. Supreme Court is changing very quickly. We have five justices now, not all of them on record that they would overturn Roe versus Wade necessarily, but it looks like there will be an opportunity to put more on the court that believe in the strict interpretation of the U.S. Constitution. As I laid out, there is no right to abortion in the Constitution. There's no right to privacy extending to abortion in the Constitution. It was made up in the penumbras of the Constitution. So these states, like New York, are looking ahead and saying, no, we're going to put into place a law so in the event that Roe versus Wade was overturned, that they can now have their own abortion law. That's no different than what's happening here in the state of Ohio. Uh, the heartbeat bill is a law that will, you know, if Roe v. Wade were overturned, will become the law of this state. Now, I believe, frankly, that we should be defying Roe v. Wade straight up because I believe the state has the right to, to determine whether we uh, legislate against murder or not. That has nothing to do with the U.S. Constitution. But that's what's happening in New York. It's happening in other parts of the country as well. People are looking forward and they're expecting that there's going to be a big change in the U.S. Supreme Court. Representative. All right, you can end it there. Basically, what I went, what I went on to say is this, basically. It's the re responsibility of every representative of the General Assembly to reject the court in this case and defy Roe versus Wade and reclaim their authority over the writing of laws, the passing of bills which protect preborn people from murder, just like born people are protected from murder. So, folks, if you would keep in prayer the Ohio heartbeat bill next week, we're going to see opponent testimony and likely a vote to get it out of committee onto the floor of the Ohio House for a vote and possibly then reconciliation with the Senate and then hopefully very soon going to the governor's desk for signature. Uh, the final topic I'd like to tackle here on the program is uh, President Trump signed an executive order protecting free speech on college campuses. Now, you might wonder why this is necessary. Frankly, I'm not sure it is. Executive orders are basically the president instructing the, the administrative, the ex executive branch or the, his administration to enforce, you know, a particular uh, statute or what have you, or directs them, basically gives them direction. Uh, you know, we really don't need anything like this if we're following the First Amendment. <laughs> the First Amendment is our... Uh, legal right to free speech. We don't need an executive order. So I, I'm generally vexed on these kinds of uh, measures. We have one right now in the state of Ohio called the Campus Free Speech Act. I'm going to support it, although I don't believe it would be necessary if we didn't have leftists on our college campuses that want to crush free speech. Uh, it's good at the state level, I think, to pass these measures because it's a slap down or at least a warning to these uh, colleges, these universities that receive state funding that they can't crush, curtail, infringe upon the First Amendment. 
we see this all the time at Created Equal. When we take our signs of aborted victim uh, victims out to college campuses, we see universities, administrations trying to curtail our speech all the time. They say, well, you can't do it here. Uh, you have to do it this way, this kind of thing, in order to try to to limit access to students on college campuses. We see this all the time. So we're in support of this. Uh, interesting enough, just the other day, and this is a step uh, above what has been going on on college campuses all across America, which is when we come to a college campus, the, the, the university will often send out an email to all the students and faculty warning them that we're coming. Now think about that. They're warning them that we're coming. They call these trigger warnings, emails saying create equals coming. They're going to bring abortion victim photos or video. You need to be aware of that. And if you choose not to go to this particular area, uh, we're letting you know where that is so you can avoid it. Uh, it's probably not unconstitutional. We've not challenged it in court yet. But this happened just the other day in Florida, Boca Raton, Florida. The House of Representatives there, which was really their city council, they call it the House of Representatives, which is kind of interesting, because usually we 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 reserve that for you know the state house or the U.S. House. But they passed a resolution with a vote of 25 to five. Now get that, 25 to five, to have Florida Atlantic University's administration, a school by the way that we visit very regularly, to notify students that abortion protesters, that's us, will be present on campus. Now, think about that. What is it about college campuses that they want to shelter students? Isn't this supposed to be the marketplace of ideas? Isn't this supposed to be the very place where students should be exposed to different worldviews, different perspectives, different views, and so forth? and to get kind of sorted out all on their own. This is not supposed to be a place of indoctrination. This is not supposed to be a place of propaganda or sheltering or coddling. Uh, this, this stuff is beyond belief. Uh, you know, I hope we never have to do anything difficult in America or call our young people to actually do something difficult because I'm afraid they won't be able to. If we have to shelter them from difficult subjects like abortion on college campuses, they're not ready for the world. They're not ready for the marketplace. They're not ready to compete. We're coddling these people. Uh, it's unbelievable. This Boca Raton House of Representatives is now saying to the Florida Atlantic that you've got to send out a warning like a tornado warning or something, saying you know, that create equals come and they're going to bring abortion victim photos. And, you know, if you don't, if, if, if it bothers you, we're going to let you know so you can avoid these people in this, this area because if it's so disturbing, you won't be able to handle it. I don't believe it. I mean, why don't we teach our young people to take head on these issues, to d develop their own arguments to combat them, because the answer to offensive speech, which I would admit what we do because abortion is offensive, may be conceived or perceived as offensive or disturbing. Instead of coddling people, we ought to be preparing people to be able to enter into that marketplace and make a well-reasoned argument for what they believe. But instead, we're saying avoid these topics and coddle them, protect them, from the real world. This is what's happening, folks. We have abortion in America. We're killing babies. 
how many millions since 1973? Almost a million a year. It's unbelievable. We're, we're protecting these these people. Beyond that, this is content-based discrimination. Uh, we're the ones singled out here. If you watch the, the videotape of the House of Representatives there, the city council in Boca Raton, we're the ones being singled out, nobody else. So we're looking at this as possible a lawsuit against Florida Atlantic, against the city of Boca Raton, because this is nothing more than content, content discrimination. It regards only us. It, it mentions only us and no one else. No other messages are going to be getting these warning signals, So these, these trigger warnings, so to speak. Uh, they're the only ones. And they also ask people to stay away from us. Uh, this is prejudicing the, uh, the audience. Uh, again, we have legal recourse here, and we'll probably be sending a demand letter to Florida Atlantic letting them know if they go ahead with this type of a uh, ruling or regulation that they're going to end up in court. I hope they back down. Uh, you know, these campus free speech acts, the, the president signing an executive order protecting free speech on college campuses is all well and good. But we need to defend the First Amendment every moment, every moment of our lives, every day of our lives. There is no social reform without it. You've been listening to your radio activists here on The Mark Harrington Show. Go to markharrington.org or createdequal.org to find out more. God bless you. God bless America. And remember, America, to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to become a witness against the evil, evil plague in America, call Created Equal at 614-269-7808, 614-269-7808, or go online to createdequal.net, createdequal.net. Be sure to tune to The Mark Harrington Show next time for your marching orders in the culture war.